I can never, even Bob Weir of the Grateful Dead, they, they tried to do it in the dark a few times and he couldn't do it. Cause, yeah, it, it's one of those things. It's something we worked on as a band, you know, because um, I was a very young guitar player in a very professional band with older guys. And they were all like, you can't just stare at your guitar the whole time. You have to like, and then I like had to watch videos of other like rock bands playing and try and emulate Get them. Get the fuck out of here. No, seriously. We had a manager. to learn how to be a rock guitarist, like we the had, mannerisms. We had a manager. <laughs> yeah. We had a manager and we would watch videos of the show and she'd be like, like, you're doing that. You need to, you know, do something. What the fuck kind of manager yeah. was that? It's what managers do. And we've got to, we're working on our look and, um. You know, Jerry Garcia stood in one spot on the stage, and if he lifted his finger, the crowd went wild. Well, That's the kind of thing you need to cultivate. There is not a lot of Jerry Garcias out there. And so... That's true. It is not the same. But what a week. Uh, I think we need to get started. Okay. You want to get started? Yeah. I'm it. tired too, though. It's I, like, I just feel like taking a nap. I want to take a nap. <laughs> I've got a new friend, uh, Well, my new boss, and we'll talk about that. She calls it a disco nap. So I got to take a disco nap, and then we'll uh, we'll meet. Wow! Have you ever heard of a disco nap? I think it's like party no. lingo from the old days. Like, but disco means something like with Not drugs, sure. right? I don't know. I guess I don't know. disco nap. Okay. And we're, we're back. back. Welcome, Welcome to, to Recovery, Recovery in the Middle, Middle Ages, Ages, a podcast about two middle-aged Middle suburban, suburban dads, dads and their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. <laughs> that was I'm terrible. Mike. Wait. And I- <laughs> That was so bad. We're going to have to rehearse that a little bit more. Um, and we're back. Welcome Wait, to we're doing it again? I like the first version. All right, fine. Cut it, print it. I'm Nat. Oh, and I'm Mike. And boy, do we have a show for you today on RMA. Murphy's ironclad grip on the law sends us into a chaotic tailspin with exploding shower doors and kids homesick from school, upsetting the delicate homeostasis we have worked so hard to maintain. And we discuss the controversial straight pepper diet by Joseph W. Naus today on a very special edition of RMA. A. Is, is it controversial? Um, I don't know if it's controversial. Can you turn the volume up on my headphones a little bit? It's number two. Okay, that's the number. Thank yes. you. I love to hear myself. Gotta do number two. Um, All right. Uh, yeah, vi- okay. Well, we'll talk about that. Visit us at middleagesrecovery.com, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, and Twitter. Join the discussion on our exclusive and private Facebook group. And if you need to talk, don't hesitate to reach out to Nat or I on social media. We're on most of the platforms that I just mentioned. Mm. Great reviews will be read on the show. Open your Apple Podcasts. Wait. Great reviews will be read on the show. If you would like to write one, open your Apple Podcast app, search for our show, click the Drunk Monk, scroll down to where it says reviews, and write us a five-star. No. Just yes. write us a review, give us five stars, and tell us how much you love us. You can give us five stars without writing a review, although writing a review would be very nice. Yeah, yeah, because we'll read it, and it gives us content. Go to middleagesrecovery.com for merchandise. Click on the shopping cart. Support your favorite show. Hopefully, that would be us. Um, tell us your story by logging into middleagesrecovery.com. Fill out the Your Story form, and you could have your story read on the air. Like this next 
fellow who yes. did not want to his name used. Right. So, so I've made up a name. So this is um, a pseudonym, as they say. Is it? Is Roman. I thought that was his real name. It's close, but not the same. Okay. I, me- I changed it. Thank you, Roman. He says, hey, guys, this is going to be a hodgepodge of an email, so be ready. I'm a 49-year-old guy from the suburbs of New Jersey. You couldn't have named him Tony Soprano or something? <laughs> Wouldn't that have been more? Anyway. Polly Walnuts. I'm like totally in your wheelhouse. I'm a professional. I work in financial services. I think this show is spot on and has really shown me a lot and sent me to so many other avenues like Dopey. See that, Dave? We're sending you listeners. We, we got you a listener. There you Dave. go. I've been sober for four years. I was a functioning alcoholic. Once or twice a month, falling down drunk. You know the type. I know the type. Uh, started drinking in my early teens in the woods of upstate New York as a kid. It was, quote, normal. Family drank as well. Siblings still do, again, siblings still do, again, functioning alcoholics. I know what he meant. Uh, what did he mean? He meant his siblings still do, and they are functioning alcoholics. Right. Understood. Yeah. Uh, but still sloppy occasionally. When I was a teen upstate, I used a lot of drugs, but after that, I stopped it. And it was more uh, because of banking jobs, etc. My first question is, I've never done a meeting or 12-step. A dumb question is, am I, quote, in recovery or just like uh, a non-drinker? I know it sounds dumb. Do we want to tackle that? That's a great question. I I look at this sort of like um, when you go onto the internet and you Google, do I have a drinking problem? A survey for if I have a drinking problem. The fact that you're Googling it, uh, means that you have probably have a drinking problem. But it doesn't so, mean you're in recovery. No, but like that, this, it's an analogy. I'm drawing a an analogy. Right. So very similar here, uh, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. So if you're not drinking and you're listening to recovery podcasts, I would say you are in recovery. Yeah, um, it's a great question because there's so much misinformation out there mostly perpetrated by the people in programs right because oh that's a good point right i mean right they're the ones that say if you're not doing this you ain't doing nothing uh and i vehemently disagree with that because i've done both i spent a lot of time quote in the program Mm. going to spot all that stuff and um it took me a long time to break free from that stigma that was sort of ingrained in me that if, if you're not, uh, and you see this a lot with people that who, you know, call us out and be like, you're not in a program, you're not in the program, you're not right. recovering because of A, B, and C. And uh, what I, uh, me and Mike, I believe is that the simple act of consciously and actively trying and succeeding here and there, of course, at changing your life for the better by... You know, being abstinent from from the things that have ruined your life to that point, um, and uh, and doing things on a daily basis like listening to the podcast, reading books. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you attend some meetings, uh, maybe you don't. But uh, you know, if you're in a conscious journey and an active journey to better your life and stop drinking, stop using the drugs that um, may have destroyed your life and your family, uh, yeah, I say you're in recovery. Yes, and I would I would add that um, there are more people who have stopped drinking or using drugs without a formal twelve step program than there are people that have. Yeah. Uh, statistics sort of bear that out. So um, I wouldn't be looking to twelve step as sort of the 
you know, the standard for recovery, although it holds itself forth as such. And it can be helpful for, for many people. It's just the most prevalent. Uh, it's the most prevalent. It's out there. It's, and there's reasons for considering that. Considering that it's supposed to be anonymous, it certainly is the most ubiquitous. It's, it seems like it's everywhere. You should um, call it alcohol, alcoholics ubiquitous. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. That's a good one. Um, Alcoholics Ubiquitous. That should be the <laughs> title of an episode uh, that we do. Um, so am I in recovery or just like a non-drinker? Well, there's a lot of people who are non-drinkers and a lot of people who are non-drinkers never wonder whether they had a drinking problem or never had to stop drinking. They just don't drink or they don't have a relationship with alcohol where they need to worry about whether or not they think of themselves as a, a person in, in recovery because alcohol is not a issue. But, you know, my experience with uh, high functioning alcoholism or alcohol use disorder is similar to yours. I mean, you, you go out there, you, you do your job, but the drinking is, is taking an outsized role in your head and an outsized role in your life. And it's getting bigger and bigger as time goes on. So you address it. And then uh, I think everything that comes after that is recovery. As long as you keep it in front and center in, in your consciousness. Yeah. You know? uh, I mean, you're listening to recovery in the middle ages. So it's just recover. I mean, this, this program is a program. Um, I like to think of it like the word as you know, the word recovery. When you think about recovering in a hospital, just think about your like post-op post-surgery yeah. post-accident, something happens to you and you wind up, the doctors fix you up maybe, and you're in a recovery room. Um, I, I tend to think about being in recovery like that. Mm -hmm. You know, um, my life had taken a horrific turn um, and the addiction had totally destroyed every aspect of my life, my health. And, and then finally, when I ended up on the other side of that, which for me was really waking up from uh, an OD on fentanyl, um, from that point, I mean, I was in recovery before that because other things had happened, but there's always that point. Some people call it a bottom, and then what happens after? It could be the DWI, and it's the time you spend after you've had this bottom or something happened to you or you decide where you begin to recover. You start to add things to your life that are better. You stop, you know, drinking before work. You stop calling your dope dealer. Maybe, you know, and if you do, if you're in recovery, it doesn't mean you're not in recovery anymore if you relapse. It it, it matters what you do after that relapse. If you go straight back to it and try and try again, you know, that's recovery. That's being in recovery. That's trying to get back to where you were before the disease took hold. Or like, I like to think of it, I don't want to go back to the way I was. When people say to me, like my mother, oh, we've got you back. I say, I don't want that guy to be back. I want to be the new guy. Who I am today is a thousand times better than the person I was before addiction even took hold of me. Well, you said a few things in there that are interesting. One is that uh, disease and the other is bottom and, you know, if you're dealing with a situation like, like this guy who seems like he was maybe a binge drinker or, but still functional and able to hold a job and all that, then, you know, maybe, maybe the, the way you look at it is a little different because you haven't really bottomed out. Maybe there was no bottom. Maybe there was just a, a growing realization yeah. that, the, that your life was becoming more difficult because you had this other thing that is occupying so much space in your, in your life. 
and so much space in your head. Maybe you, maybe you didn't bottom. Maybe there was no clean break between the before you and the after you other than you removed the substance. But this guy's got four years right. of not drinking. And now, and he's, you know, now he's kind of thinking, still thinking about um, the alcohol use in terms of recovery. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, very similar to me, he had a drug problem, but it was a long time ago and he put the drugs down because he realized right. you could not be functional at all with the drugs. Right. So I don't know. I think with the sliding scale of addiction, um, I think that's, you know, it's a good question. Like, am I, yeah, am I, I in recovery? Am I, what, you know, what is my relationship to this, to this thing, this abstinence thing, you know? Yeah. Because it starts out very simple. It's just, okay, stop doing something, you know, stop drinking, stop using drugs. Right. And then what it becomes, or it should become is, should be more than just, how do I stop? I feel like the people who get stuck in the, you know, it's just for today. I only have these 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if that helps you, that's great. But it's also never progressing past, I just don't drink today. Right. Don't drink and go to meetings. Like that, from my perspective, for me, it was not enough. It was, I got to stop this drinking. I got to stop this using. Now, what do I got to do? You have to evolve as right. a human being. In, in order to, and that's why I think so many people get caught back in the cycle of addiction because mm-hmm. yeah, they get clean. Yeah, they stop drinking for a bit, but they're not making progress spiritually. They're not making progress mentally or physically. And then they repeat old patterns. And so part of recovery to me is that life evolution, that spiritual evolution, whatever that means. But it's, I, it's a challenge though, because people, you know, people end up, in this position for all different reasons. And a lot of it is based on trauma and and it's hard to do that work to go back and unravel the trauma and let go of that part of yourself or process it and move forward. And this is not something you can do. Read a book once like the spontaneous sobriety is sounds like a fantasy and if it's happened to you, and I've known people, I, I believe that it does happen. But I'm, I, sh- but I'm sure I it does. It, I see it as a starting point, not as an end point. Yeah, um, and I think that's great. But yeah, recovery is you're making your life better. You're actively, um, you know, trying to improve yourself and get as far away from um, the active addict and the reasons why you used uh, as you possibly can. Um, so you want to let's read the second paragraph. Um, I listened to the Memorial Day episode, and you mentioned an uncle who was in WW2. I had a thought, as we come into 20 years of 9-11, and you guys have being on Long Island, you guys, you must know some people impacted. Uh, I would think a good show would be around recovery with the first responders and how they deal with trauma and using a lot of my drinking previously was around my volunteer fire department. Don't let Sergeant Slaughter know I'm stealing his job as producer. <laughs> Guys, thanks for doing this. I can hear how tough it is scheduling, et cetera. It's very helpful to me. Thanks so much. Stay strong, Roman. And thank you so much for writing Yes, this. we always love hearing uh, from you. We, I don't know, Roman, if you go back a little bit and listen to our episode we did after 9-11, I think the week after, I kind of relayed my own experience um, having been down there on that day and, and having to work there for several months after, um, you know, and how that kind of sent me off the rails for a few years. Uh, I can only imagine how much worse it was for the first responders who actually had to go down there and dig through the pit and, you know, had lost a lot of their friends and, and so on. Um, it's a good idea. I'd love to get a first responder on to talk about that. Um you know, maybe we can try and reach out to somebody and, and see if we can find somebody. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and that's, it's one of those things just, just like this pandemic, there's this, 
the uh, unsung sufferers of, of uh, you know, and things that happen, right. you know, like this pandemic. I mean, of course, it's awful. 600,000, I think, Americans have died. But it's the toll on mental health, the overdose deaths, these deaths of despair, which is something mm-hmm. I was just watching. Uh, I don't know if I was watching a documentary and that came up. The death of despair being you know, liver disease, things that res- are resulting from drug use, right. suicide, suicide, you know, drug abuse, drug deaths, liver fit, you know, liver, cirrhosis of the liver, all of these, this depression, families destroyed, children, you know. Ha- yeah, not good shit. Not good shit happening in the aftermath of the pandemic. I think, um, yeah, and I think it AA applies meetings, to 9 11. Uh, all, yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. I think the same kinds of things that maybe we didn't, you know, all of these firefighters who did survive it, mm-hmm. um, a lot had passed, but there was plenty left behind with survivors' guilt um, and just the trauma. And, um, and did they get the kind of services they needed to, to manage it? You know, yeah. I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know. But, that, that's uh, an interesting avenue, rabbit hole to go down. And maybe re- sometime closer to the anniversary, we can uh, plan an episode for that. We also have something going in the works for a uh, an episode on high-functioning or functional alcoholics, uh, people with alcohol use disorder. One of our other listeners, G-Money Smooth, has been sending me some uh, material about um, you know, he was planning on doing a blog or something on that very issue. Yeah, and thank you, Grant. Grant's yeah, been awesome. Um, we're gonna. Um, I gotta help us out. Find like five minutes to sit down and read things. <laughs> yeah, the uh, <laughs> which you know the just, RMA audience has been really stepping up. Um, and uh, of course, Jeff D working on that new shirt that I can't wait to get up. Oh, yeah. Maybe someone what will buy one. What are we gonna one. do? Send him some blanks. Yeah, we have to decide what kind of shirt we want to print it on. Oh, like the design is done, but it's sort of like, what do we want it on? I don't know. I've right. got some ideas. Okay. Um, Let's, uh, but so uh, speaking of not having any time to read anything, uh, you had an inter- a good week this week, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this week has been like a comedy of errors. I know I come in some weeks and I say, oh, it's been chaos. And usually that's true. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's never not chaotic. It just... Uh, like, okay, I, there's a lot going on in my life, and I continue to add new things because it's usually things I want to or, or have to. Um, and a lot of what I'm doing, like going to the gym, uh, running my store, I accepted it. I have a new job that I'm doing with in medical billing. It's something I do part-time, but I'm training for it now. Great, and it's really cool. That's a new thing mm. that I just accepted. Plus, I also do marketing consulting. Actually, it is a paid job uh, for... Um, uh, the that company in this building. On top of that, I'm also a marketing consultant for the Dopey Podcast. I also do marketing for my church. I also handle, you know, um, a couple of other things. <laughs> like I have a lot. When do you sleep? I <laughs> I don't get much sleep. I have like five six hours. But a lot right. of it. And, and I started going to the gym and I started running and I, I you know I'm just I'm on it. Um, but it's all dependent upon like a few things like that my son is going to school like (laughs) this is one of these basic things that like once it's the underpinning of everything you know and when that falls through uh everything else you know falls apart and so uh not only that but uh so besides my son getting sick he doesn't have covid uh, we got a test and he's fine but besides that 
my wife came home. Thank you. Thank you. No COVID. Well, you told me I don't use these enough. So I know. I'm starting to use them again. Good. I'm glad. And uh, she came home, my wife, and our shower door exploded. Exploded. Yeah, there's a good picture of it up in the uh, the, the, the private Facebook yeah, group. If anybody you want to see it, join the group. I mean, uh, it's, it's crazy. It, it just tempered glass. Have you ever seen tempered glass break? It's just little weird squares. Just yeah, it's like a car windshield. And you know, it was one of these things. Did somebody? You think somebody might have taken a shot through your window? I don't know. It's <laughs> bizarre, and nobody has an explanation. The manufacturer blames the installer. The installer blames the manufacturer. Nobody wants to take responsibility. Yet they still say, "Well, this happens once in a while." It's yeah. a phenomenon. How does that? What, what does that mean? It's a phenomenon. The phenomenon is somebody put it in and they screwed the thing that holds it up too tight I mean, and weakening it. But and this then totally. Kabooey. This totally screws, you know, now our shower is screwed because we were getting the other bathroom that has a shower in it. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it has to be redone because it leaks through the subfloor or something like that. And our, we, it was supposed to be fin- finished three months ago, but because of COVID, th- things didn't pull together in right. time. And so now we have no real working bathroom. I've been taking a shower with the door off uh, and hopefully all the glass is up. You know what I mean? Like uh, You find out. Just like, so between that and then my son, you know, and getting sick and God bless him, I, I didn't want to believe him. I think most of us don't I, want to believe I always our come kids. from the assumption that they're full, full yeah, of crap. me too. And then I feel bad when he <laughs> like really is Go to is school. Sick. You yeah. don't have a fever. Get out. I mean, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't play it up too hard and be like mean to him about it. But, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, come on. You're not sick. And then he's like, daddy, I don't want. I'm like, nope. I'm like, I need you to go to school today. <laughs> I, I can't do this. I was, you know, I had training for my new job. I had to like drive to another town and like. There's only so much like suck it up buttercup you can uh, direct at your 10 year old though, right? (laughs) And on top of it, my mother-in-law decided to take a vacation from her retirement and go to North Carolina for two weeks. And she's usually our go-to. Oh, for for these kind of things. (sighs) So it was just like one thing after the other. So you immediately hid in the basement with a bottle of Jim Beam and didn't come out for a week, right? Right. Is that how you handled that? I I didn't stop drinking (laughs) and I just chugged and chugged and chugged. The truth is, I didn't drink. Um, and not only that, I didn't even think about drinking. And that's something that's so amazing. Mm. One of the nights, what I did was, uh, I had all of this anxiety. I, I come home, and my wife is fighting with my son. Uh, they're, they're not getting along. You know, so It's just the whole scenario is fucking upside down. And uh, after I got things settled, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going for a run. I said, I'm feeling anxious. I got to run off this anxiety. Yes. And my wife has been very supportive of mm-hmm. that. And thank God for that. Because she could say, don't talk and leave. What are you doing? You know? right. She's like, okay, yeah, she can see it in my eyes. She knows that I need something mm-hmm. to make me feel better, you know, that isn't drinking right. or, or drugs. And so I ran a 5K, just like, which yes. I, I can do now, I, sort of. I don't know if I, every time. That's I, awesome. Every time I plan to do it, I don't know that I can do it until I do it. And uh, I felt amazing. I felt so great. And yes, it was hard. And yes, running makes you sweat. But uh, every time I finish, I feel That's like the point. Yeah, it makes you sweat. Gonna make makes, you sweat. Yeah, my favorite. Gives you the song. endorphins. It's uh, yeah. the endorphins are everything. I love it. I love everything about it. I used to poo-poo running all over the place. Um, and you know, I've managed to still go to the gym, and I feel good about myself. I've completely changed my body composition in the past six months, and uh, I feel good about it. Speaking um, of the gym, I, uh, I 
I noticed you're wearing a, a Pride Forward Equinox t-shirt, which is great. Um, but I yeah. think it's funny because you, you came in and you were like, well, they gave it to me in some colorblind. I thought it was the American <laughs> flag. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So I come into this fancy pants gym that I go to and uh, they I like their shirts, Equinox. It's a cool brand. I like the logo. I like, you know, to just be like, I'm a part of this thing. I'm like a member, you know. And uh, it was a cool different one that to my eyes looked like it had an like red, white, and blue, like American flag <laughs> pattern over the letters. And um, I got up close to it and I said to the lady working there, I said, hey, oh, I wanted to get one of those American flag Equinox shirts. And she goes, what are you talking about? And I said, you know, that one. She goes, oh, she said, that's a pride month. Um, for, <laughs> so it's actually rainbow right. on the letters. And not only that, I discovered that there's some extra print on it it's on and it says nothing can be changed unless it is faced um so perfect it's really cool so when she told me no it's a pride month special edition i'm like well now i gotta buy it i have to buy it now (laughs) otherwise i'm an asshole (laughs) (laughs) you know what am i gonna say oh fuck i don't want that you know but (laughs) so so the truth is, I, I do support the LGBTQ. Supporting our LGBT and, yeah, uh, brothers and, and sisters. But, yeah. I, but it's funny, because it's the dichotomy. I would have loved an American flag shirt, because right. I love my country, support my country, and um, pay very patriotic. But I, you know what patriotism means to me is to support um, you know groups that have been oppressed, that deserve rights. And, um, and so I feel really good about wearing this uh, pride uh, shirt and Who doesn't uh, like a rainbow. Yeah, you know, you know, I, I've been more out about my support for the gay community <laughs> lately, and That's uh, great. I feel good about it because I feel like you know. People think, oh, everybody accepts it now, and you don't have to. But that's not true. Yeah. There's there's quite a bit of uh, well, hate going around my, about the my, gay community, and it's not right. My neighbors, it's not American. My neighbors, um, not to get political on it, but my neighbors are. are enthusiastic Trump supporters. So for whatever reason, the last few weeks, they've been flying the Trump 2020 flag in, in front of their house. And I, I kind of scratched my head because I'm like, it's 2021 and Trump is <laughs> Is it not just a good memory? Or and, or? Um, <laughs> but I, I figure Hannity must be saying something that, you know, gets everybody riled up so yeah. that flags go out. Whatever. Well, I'm starting to see the, uh, so, the posts on Facebook, 24, maybe 24. So my, uh, my wife had ordered a hate has no home here yard sign. Um, I, I, don't think it was in response to the neighbor's Trump flag, but you never know. So I just decided that uh, when, and, and I'm, I'm not really one to wear my politics on my sleeve, you know, not really, um, <laughs> or on my lawn. But anyway, whenever their flag goes out, that side goes out. Yeah. And so the, the two houses juxtaposed next to each other, people driving up the block probably think there's some kind of war going on, but really they're very nice people. We, we talk all the time and I think it's just this great. proxy war. Uh, and then they take their flag down and I take the sign down. <laughs> Wow, talk about passive aggressive. <laughs> it is. It's the most passive aggressive thing ever, but uh, well, screw it, you know. No, I mean, I love, listen, I, I have people in my family of both p- political persuasions. I have friends of both political yeah, I'm, persuasions. Yeah, you know what? Here's the thing. I, my feeling is like, don't be rude. Like, right. you know, don't, what, why are you going to put the flag up on your front? It, it, in an election year, fine. Go, you know, fly your freak flag for whatever candidate yeah. you want. When the election's over, and it is over, (laughs) it has been over, don't, you know, continue to, you know, I don't know. I'm sorry. You know, and 
it just gets under my skin a little bit because I'm not out there like I have a rain, I have a rainbow flag the size of an American flag that I put out a couple of years ago. Do you do, do you do it for uh, for Pride, Pride Month? For Pride Month, that's awesome. No, I just fly it on Christmas. No, I, on <laughs> Easter usually. No, I, so um, but you know I generally don't put it out. You know, and I'm thinking I could. You know, I could I could festoon my house with gay pride stuff. You know, and and that would really piss off the neighbors. But yeah, you know. and I don't know why. But like, I so that but that never enters my mind. But right. apparently, my neighbor does not have the same well, feeling about that. It, this is what makes life interesting, and that actually brings me to um, the Sunday that I had. Um, uh, after uh, I won't go too into the Children's Day, we had a little Children's Day service uh, at my church. What is Children's Day? It's the end of the Sunday school year. And it's a special service where they honor the teachers, haha ha me, and um, and the kids get to participate. Uh, one of the things that we did was um, we uh, I did uh, "Don't Build Your House in a Sandy Land." If you don't know that song, I won't sing it. Uh, I played the guitar <laughs> while the shame. kids sang it, and uh, they played this because it's like half on Zoom. And uh, the kids just sounded great, and it was fun for me to do some conducting with a guitar, like because I was a music teacher major way back in the day. So it's mm-hmm. always fun for me to relive that kind of stuff. And uh, and then the kids, you know, said something about what they learned, and they all had something cute to say. And uh, and also the older kids participated uh, in doing the sermon, and it's very good. It just. You know, the church for me is just, is like a center. It, it's a center in my life. And having it out of my life, really, and just doing it on Zoom has been really hard for me because I like I like to go to the church. I like to sit in the pew and meditate there and pray with other people who are of like mind. And, and it's really just that for me. It's a centering moment of the week. And so uh, after Sunday school is over, since... Uh, it was all on Zoom, so I couldn't go to church. I'm definitely returning, even though like 20 people will be there in the summer, you know. But right. and my family's not going. But after that, we uh, we had a barbecue. Uh, speaking of uh, people with different political persuasions, uh, I, my f- my son Max's friends parents who are neighbors of ours Mm -hmm. had a very nice little barbecue i think it was for the kid's birthday Mm -hmm. and um and clearly you know he's a new york city fire department guy Mm -hmm. um and he's there's clearly you know the um, dad not the kid the dad (laughs) and uh and my other neighbors there who were also you know pretty conservative and outspoken supporters of the gop and um and then just the discussion, though, at this barbecue, it was very civil, and you could see them um, trying not to go too far, which <laughs> I like that, though. I it's think that's, great. It's, sometimes people have a hard time restraining themselves. You could see that, you know, that people have passed this time where everything was just out and, and raw and nasty, mm-hmm. and, uh, and now it feels like people, they want to pull back from that. Part of that is, I think, the leadership now in our country is more like that it's more reaching a hand out mm-hmm. it's more like let's hear everybody and i think that's actually trickling down uh and listen it was uh it was a great time uh the only thing was of course it's a, one of these barbecues where everybody's drinking it's non-stop drinking and i always get anxiety about these kinds of get-togethers right. what are they going to think what do i have to say do i have to explain to somebody that i didn't drink or don't drink and really, um, everyone was getting his own drinks in their refrigerator outside. 
And when I went to the refrigerator, I simply got a Coca-Cola. And I did that all day long, and I didn't care, and nobody said anything. I didn't feel bad. I didn't envy my wife because she was having a drink or anyone else. It was really just, it's become such a, the only reason it's it's important is because I talk about it on my show, really. You right. know, but it was really a great time and uh, no drinks necessary. Yeah. I love that. I mean, a lot of times I think it's bigger in our heads than it is in reality. You know, this, this concern about what other people think. I, I do realize though, like, you know, invitations are coming for, for things now, you know, more because there have been no things to go to. And now all of a sudden there are things to go to. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's it's making me a little like not nervous that I'm going to drink. Just like the whole socialization thing is like I'm just not feeling it. I'm not feeling like I want to get back into no. it and start going out and hanging out with people all the time. And I don't know if that's uh, if that's something I need to get over because I was always a bit more of like a um, I always preferred a quiet evening at home with my wife yeah. to going and hanging out with other people. You know, me too. Um, but you know, I, I don't know. Some some would say that that isolationist sort of behavior is not is not a good thing. It's not um, good for me. Yeah, I know as an as an addict. Uh, but I I also don't like being around drunk people. Well, that's the other. Thing. That's why <laughs> it's important to have a community of sober people. Yes, yes. Like we sort of do. I mean, right. even if it's just you and me. Um, but that's the other reason people love AA. It's a it's a sober group. Yeah, it's a yeah. sober social group. Right. It's one of the reasons I keep wanting to go back is I I like that. I liked, you know, to go to a diner with a bunch of, you know, sober alcoholics. And um, I mean, I but uh, Th- things, yeah, you're, you're not being totally, uh, you know, uh, cloistered. You, you went to a Hare Krishna festival. I did. I did. Uh, tell well, me about that. Tell um, me about the Hare Krishna festival. So, so Aaron um, is, was taking a, a, a test for uh, advancement in her career last Saturday. It was like a five hour long, brutal day long I get, it sounded horrible and I, but I it was I wanted to do something and I I couldn't figure out what to do and Jack gets up late cuz he's 14 and you know Ben was looking for something to do eventually I was just like let's just go to the city and then, and then I remembered because I I've been sort of you know following this uh, Harry Krishna group in the city not like following like with the robe or anything <laughs> just sort of get, you know they they have a podcast called Wisdom of the Sages and it's it's really sort of a more macro religious um hinduist podcast and uh i remember they talked about something called the 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 ratha yatra festival which is a Hare krishna festival once a year where uh it starts at uh, 59th street and they put uh images of the hindu gods on a wagon and then they carry they pull this giant wagon from 59th street down to washington square park so I was like, yeah, let's go into the city and check that out. And then we can walk around. And the kids surprisingly were like into it. And I was like, huh. well, that's unusual because usually they don't, you know, but my older son is like getting interested in the city. And, and, you know, I think he's, you know, probably more disposed to him exploring an urban environment, you know? Um, and I was like that at, at his age too. So we, we drove in, found a parking spot and I was amazed at how open the city was. Like every, it was like every, people had been let out of a cage. Yeah, Everyone was just like basically running around, like ye- yelling, yeah. you know, the bars were full, scrolled out onto the sidewalk. Bedlam. So we get, get to Washington square park and it's just a crazy scene. There's like, you know, thousands of people dressed in, um, 
various types of Hindu or Hare Krishna attire, um, <laughs> jumping up and down and chanting the mantra and banging the finger symbols. And everything. I, I took a video. I'll, I'll, I'll post it in the Facebook um, group. But, but it was really interesting. I think it freaked my older son out. My younger son, who was more musically inclined, was like, I really like this music. You know, everybody chanting and jumping up and down. That's cool. So we got into it for a little bit. And then we, went, we ended up going down to Chinatown. Uh, and we had soup dumplings. And that Ron sort of oh, Jesus Christ. I'm off today, Ron. Um, yeah, and it ended up being a really, really nice day uh, in the city. But but it was a lot of people, and yeah. at you know times Did I was getting a, a little. No, nobody had a mask on. Um, I wanted to do an explanation point right here. Wait, hold which, on. Which is a new. You wanted uh, to do an excl- uh, exclamation point. Explanation. Explanation. Point. See what point. I did? Yeah, I see what you did. Um, Oh, God, that's horrible. Uh, Explanation point. You asked for a sound effect. You don't like the one I came up with? God. (laughs) What is the belief of Hare Krishna? This is the explanation point where we we say something and then define it. Sort of like... I thought we were doing Juneteenth. I'm going to do that, too. I thought, why can't we have two explanation (laughs) points? The teachings of the Hare Krishna movement are derived from ancient Hindu scriptures, especially the... Srinad Srimad Bhagavatam. Thank you. And the Bhagavad Gita. Margarita. (laughs) Adherents believe that Krishna, an avatar of Vishnu, is the supreme lord and that humans are eternal spiritual beings trapped in a cycle of reincarnation. So that is Mm. my explanation point. Please don't play that sound again. For (laughs) Hare Krishna. Uh, So that sounds like a lot of fun. Yes. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, we're going to get a lot of hate mail on that that's one. That's now the new, that's the new oh, God. sound effect. Um, that sounds like fun. We used to go to that Egyptian festival by the, um, Oh yeah. I forget where it is. And different. Was, the Christians are different. Yeah. It's different. They're not exactly they're, but, uh, All of the Hare Krishna people that I have met, and I went to a, a, a one day thing at a, a, down at the temple down there, are super nice people because they practice something called bhakti yoga, which is the yoga of love. So it's basically just a big bliss festival. Mm. Yeah, that's very nice. good. I, you know, uh, after we did our, um, our uh, Buddhism uh, show, I was all psyched up to like get into Buddhism and then my like life went crazy and everything fell apart. And so I, uh, <laughs> I haven't done that, but I'm still like... But that is Buddhism. I want right? to do... I want to do Buddhism. Can we do Buddhism? I want to doing do Buddhism is doing life, man. Right. You just, so that's you know, you're doing. present in every moment. Um, yeah. The other thing, uh, speaking of everybody coming out and going berserk, um, my nephew had a graduation party. He graduated from high school. And so my brother uh, had this massive party for him. They have a lot of property um, out east on the island. And they did like this huge thing. They have a tennis court. And so on the tennis court, they had this huge, you know, bouncy house for all of the brothers and sisters, kids and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And, uh, you know, food and a full bar and a ping pong table. And on the tennis court, they had their basketball hoops and stuff like that. Um, And it was great. And it was the parents and the cousins and the kids and just everybody, my nephew's friends that were graduating. And uh, of course, it's a big drink drinking party. Now, my brother knows that I'm an alcoholic and that uh, I'm in recovery and don't drink. Um, and uh, he definitely doesn't care um, much about it. He's glad that I'm healthy, but it's right. not something that he thinks about, I'm sure. And that's fine. Um, 
and he doesn't, he stopped offering me drinks though. Finally saying, why don't you drink like last week? <laughs> <laughs> well, when I first tried to, was trying to get sober, you know, he was like totally flabber- yeah. flabbergasted. Yeah. Like, you sure you don't want to drink? I'm like, Harry, no, man, I don't yeah. want to drink. I like have a problem, you know? No, just don't drink a lot. You know, I was one of those. <laughs> right, right. Finally, after more horrible things happened to me and my family because of it, I think he's, he figured it out. But what I wanted to, to talk about was that, uh, it started out early in the night where my nephew and his friends began to walk around with like a hard seltzer mm. and then they were drinking a little bit and like, then it kind of progressed. And then one of them was whole, then when they were walking around with Corona's and I'm looking at my brother and I'm looking at my wife and she's like, are they drinking? You know, is he drinking? I'm how, like, how old are these kids? Like 18, okay. 17, 18. So that was the drinking age when I was graduating from high school. Right. But this isn't 1943 <laughs> um, when you graduated from high school. And, uh, and it was just kind of an interesting thing. And it just made me think like, what, why, like, wow, like what, what a move. And I know a lot of people do that. My parents weren't that op- like, okay with it, but I wonder if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think the studies show it's not a good thing. What? Like What's not a good letting, thing? just letting, uh, underage people drink. Like some people think, oh, wait, it'll get it out of their system. And you know, <laughs> or really into their system. Yeah. And, um, it, they got pretty drunk. I mean, it was like one of their the friends was like you're, you're Harry's brother. I'm like, yeah, I'm uh, I'm the uncle, and uh, he's like, oh, you sound just like him. You look like him, and 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 he nice. totally yacked on the tennis court. I mean, I was just like, okay, um, yeah, okay, great. And I mean, uh, so they got wasted. If you're going to allow alcohol to be sold openly even- in this country, or or, or you know. And you're going to ask somebody who's 18 years old to go fight in Afghanistan for uh, our freedoms. Uh, I, you know, give him a beer. I don't know, man. <laughs> All the kids and their parents were there too, and nobody seemed to give a shit. Oh, parental. Nobody yeah. gave a shit. Par- parental control is something. Something again. My my son. This is actually very interesting because I had a barbecue last weekend. I think we talked about it on the show last week, so maybe it was the week before. And I had to go out and buy a case and a half of beer or a case of beer. And I have it in a cooler and it's sitting on my patio still to the, to this day, because I'm not sure what to do with it. Um, pour it out, uh, whatever. But, uh, I realized over the course of the last week that my oldest son has been sneaking a beer out of there oh, and man. drinking it like one a day, not like hmm. more than that, just one a day. And, um, I, I, you know, I f- figured out what was going on because he was just left the empties next to the cooler. Like he didn't give a shit. And so I just texted him. I said, I, I, I counted the remaining beers. Do not take any more. And, and it seems to have abated the problem. But, um, you know, what am I supposed to do in that situation? You know, I mean, yeah. he's, uh, he's not, he's not grabbing a six pack. He's not drinking it. Granted, he's 16, not 18. So there's a bit of a difference there. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, did, what if, I'm sure you've said this, but I mean, I'm trying to think, put myself in your shoes, which is very difficult because my kids are much younger. But, you know, just to say, this isn't something that I want you to do. Yeah, I have. I've done you know, yeah. I don't want you to drink. Right. Please don't drink and, and please just don't do it. When you're 18, maybe we can talk. And just to give him that opportunity mm-hmm. to, it's almost like putting it in his hands. You're not like, if you do this, I'm going to take this. That is wholly ineffective. Yeah. It's just like, I'm your dad. And listen, please 
don't drink at my house. Don't drink at all, okay? Don't drink my beer. Don't drink my beer, <laughs> motherfucker. That I'm not drinking. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, don't know. I, I'm also just going to go home and uncap them and pour them all down the drain, which is what I should have done at the end of the Do list. you need me to be there with you while you do that? <laughs> Can I have an RMA beer as pouring your, party? As your tandem sponsor. <laughs> which, by the way, I have not read that article that you wrote yet. Oh. But to be fair, you didn't read my article either. So you wrote an article? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> did you really? And you didn't read it. No. I sent it to you. Um, um, okay. So, so uh, happy June 9th. Uh, uh, happy J- Juneteenth. Juneteenth. Yeah. Juneteenth um, is, uh, are you going to explain Juneteenth? Um, yeah, you had Juneteenth off and I, uh, I think it's time for explanation <laughs> point. What is, I am sorry to the listeners. That is the worst sound ever. We have to change. So what is Juneteenth? Oh, oh yeah. So just to set the stage since I have Juneteenth off today, which is unusual. It's a brand new federal holiday. It's a brand new federal holiday, but we had it off last year too. And I work for a conservative insurance company. I, I do not work for uh, the ACLU or any of these other companies. So the the fact that it's I've gotten Juneteenth off for now two years in a row is rather unusual. Uh, what is Juneteenth? Nat is going to tell you what Juneteenth is. On a, on a new edition of Explanation Point. I'm not going to make it. Make that. Juneteenth, officially Juneteenth National Independence Day and historically known as Jubilee Day, Black Independence Day, and Emancipation Day is a federal holiday in the United States celebrating the emancipation of African Americans who had been enslaved. Originating in Galveston, Texas in 1866, it has been celebrated annually on June 19th throughout the United States. It became a recognized federal holiday on June 17th of 2021. Yesterday. President Joe Biden signed the Juneteenth National Independence Day Act into law. It is commemorated on the anniversary date of the June 19th, 1865 announcement of the General Order No. 3 by Union Army General Gordon Granger, proclaiming freedom for the slaves in Texas. First new federal holiday um, since 1983, by yeah. the way. I mean, at first, when you hear about these holidays, it's it's so like, ugh, here we go. Another day off that I have to figure out what to do with my kids. Oh, I've never felt that way about a day off. That's how I feel Just about keep, it. Just keep them it's, coming. You know, and I'm a guy who likes consistency. I mean, part of my success in life, such as it is, it comes from persistence, uh, consistency, wait, be persistent, consistent, and enthusiastic, right? And Where's it, that from? I made it up. I coined that. I'm, oh. put, I'm putting it on a t-shirt. Yeah. Be persistent, consistent, and enthusiastic. And this is like three keys to success for myself. So in order to be consistent, you know, I need things to work like a clock, like bing, bing, bing. I can count on certain things happening during the day. Like my kid goes to school, like this, ha- you know, uh, and when you throw in a new holiday, it fucks everything up. Kids are off. I, you know, it's just, it sucks. Good. I don't like God, man. Yeah. I got it. Don't you it. think that the freed slaves deserve a holiday? I do. And I <laughs> love it. And we should have a parade and it should be like, you know, reparations, the whole fucking nine, well, you know, a- but don't do a day off because I can't <laughs> fucking stand it. Listen, I need to get my shit done. As a, I like the day off. I will enjoy the day off. And in fact, I was rubbing it in my wife's face this morning because I'm a small, petty man that uh, I was like, you know, I, my uh, conservative insurance company has given us off for June 19th, uh, Juneteenth, but I noticed you're going to work this morning. <laughs> you know, And she was just 
I think I pissed her off because I just I wouldn't let it go. I just well, kept hammering away. Better to be it. pissed off than pissed off. So I'm like, on. You, you mean your the liberal school districts have not given you Juneteenth off? Yeah, I didn't ask my wife about that. I wonder what the um, uh, and that's 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 very 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 interesting. Um, so happy Juneteenth, and uh, observed, it's actually observed. observed. Yes. I think tomorrow is the actual yes uh, Juneteenth. Um, the final thing I want to say before we get to our main topic: forty six minutes in, we are. This is good. I, I I like it because I feel like we have a lot of little things going on here. It's not like I'm. Well, we're going to talk about a book, but uh, my workout regimen and my running. <laughs> yes. I know this yes, is an by all ongoing. Means, let's uh, <laughs> let's delve deeply. Well, because I've been bringing the audience along with me as I've dieted. I did my extreme diet, the um, chicken salad diet, the chicken salad, the, the food detox, and it was extremely successful. I went from 176 pounds of just basically bloat and a little bit of fat and just feeling like shit. And I completely, I lost like 25 pounds. I went down to 147 at my lowest. And once I got to 147 for a few days, I began running, doing push-ups. I, actually, before I hit 147, I was doing push-ups, I started. And, uh, and so I really began getting my body in a different shape completely like not mm. just in shape completely different changing shape. the shape i completely of the body. changed the composition of my body and so once i got to where i was uh happy and exercising regularly and i i began to build my diet from there i said okay no more starving myself what am i going to eat and then as i begin to change my exercise regimen which was more heavy lifting and i wanted to gain weight I started taking my protein shakes um, because the diet I do is you need one gram of protein per pound that you weigh, uh, along with carbohydrates. There's a ratio to carbohydrates. Is it per pound that you weigh or per pound that you want to weigh? Per pound that you weigh. Mm. And this is, it's usually actually a gram and a half if you really want to be a bodybuilder. But I mean, it's all about protein and caloric intake. And uh, I began lifting heavy and then feeding my body enough protein and it's really starting to show. And I, I love the, the ability to do that, to like mold it like clay, just by, it's almost like being a scientist. You, you're playing with, you know, different diets and different types of exercise. But again, it's all about consistency, persistent, consistent, and enthusiastic. Almost like science. And, uh, I've gained I think 12, they call it bro science. <laughs> I've gained 12 pounds back. I weighed 161 pounds this well, morning. You could probably kick my ass. But look I at don't, those guns. Look at this. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I don't, I don't uh, even though I'm back to 160, I don't look like I did the last time I was 160. And so, it's a healthy um, 160. Can I, let me ask you this. Yes. Are you still eating chicken salad? I haven't had chicken salad in a while. What, what, is, what, is the, what does the, uh, the typical lunch around here look like? Well, I've been eating poke bowls way too much. Yes, I had one last night. I have these big poke bowls, and they're filled with you know raw fish and seaweed and rice and um, brown rice or regular rice. I get regular rice. Should yeah. I get brown rice? Yeah, because the glycemic index of fuck. white rice will All just right. fuck with your insulin levels. Fine, right. I'll do. But yeah, I'm eating a lot of that. I'm eating a lot of dumplings, like <laughs> yeah. Chinese dumplings, workout food. I mean, for a long time, I just I need calories. I need protein. I need to feed this machine. Feed and, the uh, machine. Feed the machine. That's and our new so, T-shirt. Listen, if I can do it, you guys can. Uh, I feel great, and um, 
Mike you, feels great, and he's running like six, seven miles a day. You so. don't have to start by going to Nat's Gate Gym, though. You no. can go to, you can start you do push do the just couch like, to 5K yeah. or something. Have you I heard did, of that program? Never. My friend, uh, the, the, the guy who... Hey, I did that. I ran 5K. You did. Boom. My friend, uh, who I've mentioned before on the podcast, um, the scuba guy that I know, um, you know, he had a little health scare a little while ago, and now he's on the couch to 5K program. And that's a really good program. If you guys Google it, because you start off with a lot of walking and then a little running and then a little walking and eventually you build up to 5k of running. Right. So, yeah. I, I think that's, that's brilliant. And, yeah. um, you know, that's a big part of both Mike and, and my recovery program is exercise. I'm it doing squats right a now. A long time to get back Two. to it, but I always knew I wanted to, I've been saying for years, can't wait to get back to exercising, but I knew I wasn't mentally fit to, to get myself to, to that place. And finally, when I was, and I had my life together enough, and for a while I didn't have a car. That's another thing. So um, all of the things, you know, I just keep trying to build on this recovery program that we have set up for ourselves. Well, the, hard t- the hard part, a lot of people say that they don't have time. And if anybody... <laughs> As an excuse for not having enough time, it would be somebody like you or somebody like yeah, me. We make but the it thing is you have to prioritize happen. yourself. It's like prioritizing your recovery. Yeah, don't put anything above your physical fitness because it's a part of your recovery. Right? So look at it that way. Okay. Um, all right. Having said all that, we're running long here today, um, partly because I'm insecure about the content. Um, <laughs> and uh, the main discussion is I've been reading this book called Straight Pepper Diet by uh, one. Joseph W. Naus. Yes. That, what an interesting... Okay. Yeah, Joseph, Joseph Naus, interesting guy. He was um, living the American dream. He had a really bad childhood, uh, and then he gra- went to law school, graduated from Pepperdine, became a successful attorney. It's a great college. Uh, it's very conservative law school, actually. One of the most conservative in the country, uh, just apropos of nothing. Then one night, uh, his American dream life became a nightmare when his sex and alcohol addictions collided and exploded. <laughs> the story is really off the wall. On on Tuesday, I was a respect. This is in his words. On Tuesday, I was a respected civil trial lawyer making six figures in Los Angeles. On Wednesday, I woke up handcuffed to a hospital bed, charged with attempted murder, and then it got worse. Um, <laughs> so, okay, so you cued me onto this book. I didn't really, I'd never heard of it. Uh, but the, the law, the lawyer going off the rails angle was familiar to me. That's what I was thinking when I was reading it. So I'm like, like, you know, let me, let me sort of tunnel down into this book and see what this guy's story is all about. I started listening, uh, in the garage yesterday when I was working out actually. So I have a speaker in there and, uh, my neighbors next door are all out in the yard. And so I've, I realized like, you know, halfway through the, the beginning, uh, story in the book that I need to turn the fucking radio down because yeah. I don't know. So you should definitely just give a, give a quick rundown of what happened to this guy. Cause he starts the book at the, at the, at the end of his, or, or, was right it in media's res in the middle. Yeah, I guess okay in the middle, but um, but at the precipitating event that caused his life to fall apart. Right. So. Well, uh, be- before I do that, I wanted to just um, it, what's imp- another important part of this because he's a big AA guy. Right. 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 Um, and the, the title of the book, Straight Pepper Diet, 
Um, mm-hmm. uh, where does the phrase come from? It comes from the big, the big book. book right. And so the, uh, the, the excerpt from the big book where it's talked about is when they're talking about doing your sex inventory, which is something where you're writing down all of the people you've harmed sexually and that sort of I, thing. I never made it to that And part. have harmed you too. <laughs> and it, it says, in quote, big book, page 69. And that is not a joke. <laughs> it is page 69. You think Bill did that on purpose? I think he did. So it says... Then we have the voices who cry for sex and more sex, who bewail the institution of marriage, who think that most of the troubles of the race are traceable to sex causes. They think we do not have enough of it or that it isn't the right kind of sex. They see its significance everywhere. One school would allow man no flavor for his fare, and the other would have us all on a straight pepper diet. What does that mean? It means all sex, like spice. Sex is the spice. It doesn't of mean life. like monogamy. No, straight pepper means like all you know the sex, just more sex, like no oh, flavor, okay. and then straight pepper. So one one we no want flavor stay- would be like regular right. marriage. We all have sex problems. <laughs> We'd hardly be human if we didn't. What can we do about them? That's from the big book. So that's that's what uh, the the title comes from because he's not just an addict and an alcoholic. He also tackles nicotine addiction and the sex oh, yeah. addiction. And I think it's really um, descriptive about his, you know, issues with that. Was Bill, did Bill W. have a sex thing? I, um, I seem to recall reading something like he was wrestling with that yeah, as well. It doesn't, didn't get talked about much, but Lois and as Lois remembers, I think is her book. You know, there was infidelities going on. I don't know that. Like, was he like cruising the alleys like for hookers like this guy did? Or That I didn't, I don't think that that no. was the case, but he wasn't faithful but to it's, Lois. It's just weird that it would end up in. In the big book, which is ostensibly a, a book about alcoholism. Well, it's all part of it. It's part of the inventory that you have to do. Yeah, but they um, don't talk about drugs in the big book so much. Mm, Sex, yes. Drugs, right. not so much. Well, that's why when people are doing 12-step programs that are like a heroin anonymous, and it's all based on the big book. Right. Like Narcotics Anonymous has his own basic text. I, know, I just... It's interesting that it's in there. That's all I'm saying. So, my, my summary is, um, the book starts out... Uh, where um, Joseph Naus is a promising and successful attorney whose vices catch up with him until it all culminates into a blackout incident resulting in Naus being registered as a sex offender, being disbarred and going to prison for two years. Um, I just kind of glossed over the whole thing, but basically (laughs) basically this guy, um, you know, he was on the rise at this fancy law firm, making a lot of money. I guess he's, I haven't seen him, but apparently he's tall and good looking. And, uh, he he has this predilection for going to um, massage parlors and getting like beat off or, or having sex with them and stuff like that. Which he describes in, in really yeah. lurid and excruciating detail. <laughs> in the book. Excruciating is the word. And you have to get, folks, I know it's like when this part comes up, you're going to be like, oh my God, what the fuck am I listening to? But you got to get through it because the story gets really, really good. Well, it's not that I didn't enjoy listening. I, know. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty much like penthouse letters. And so <laughs> he, he details, you know, what kind of brought him to this horrific conviction and life-changing um, blackout event. And uh, leading up to it, he, he was really drinking and uh, compulsively drinking. And he showed how he went from being a functional alcoholic, basically, mm-hmm. and to slowly you know, finding himself in these scenarios where he missed a court date because he was up all night. Right. And then he began to find himself in strange sexual situations with people he didn't know. 
And it culminates in a couple of different nights, one of which is he's driving drunk basically after a night of debauchery with one of his clients who he called Johnny Law. And so he has these very rich, high-powered young clients who liked him a lot and would bring him along. They'd do coke, they'd go drinking. So he and his friend Johnny Law, his client, they, uh, they are wasted and they get in this horrific you know, DWI accident. And uh, I think they, I think he blows a two point nine or something. I thought he said he was alone. No, he there was a he had a friend in his car because the oh. guy almost died because he rolled the he yeah. said I, he I rolled the SUV because he was trying to take a turn at eighty miles an hour or right. something. <laughs> right now his friend was in the car and he you know it's one thing he laments like I could have killed him and yeah. he didn't. And then on the big night that really start you know so from that point I nearly. Felonious uh, DWI. He continues to drink while on probation, and uh, and so, but still not thinking I'm an alcoholic. And the people in his life, like his girlfriend, mm-hmm. were still like, "You're not really an alcoholic," right? And uh, and that's a major problem. And so, what happens is he gets really wasted one night, and uh, he likes to go to these massage parlors. And so he was kind of in a blackout looking to get into this, his usual massage parlor to get, to get uh, laid, I guess. And he, um, he decides to go in through the window for some reason. Mm-hmm. And what happens is he, he gets well, it's in. very late at night and the place was closed. Right. That's the issue. But he's like, fuck this. I got to get in. Yeah. I got to get off. He, so he does it. He gets inside. In a blackout. In a blackout. And um, apparently he was naked with a hard on. And... Uh, <laughs> And and then he finds like a, um, uh, the man who I guess lived in that apartment because it turns out he wasn't in the massage parlor. He was Whoops. in some guy's apartment. <laughs> and so a crazy fight ensues. Um, he, he ends up like MMA wrestling naked with uh, a hard on with so, this guy. So the other thing is this guy, was a tra- he's a trained martial artist. He'd been training for years right, in now Kung Fu and Muay Thai and everything. So he puts this guy who comes out of his bedroom and sees him naked <laughs> like, with a hard on in the middle of the night, freaks out obviously because there's a naked man with a hard on in his house. And he, he, um, he starts a fight with this guy and then, and then, um, you know, Joseph, being an MMA guy, manages to get the guy in a fucking headlock and yeah. almost kills him. Yep. Right? So so then, um, you know, he runs into the bathroom, he <laughs> sneaks out, he gets out the gets window, out. and then this guy and his friend follow him out into the street, and one of them's got a skateboard, and, and they, the other has a yeah. baseball bat, and they fuck him they up. They beat the living shit out of him, like, really, really bad. Which he didn't feel, because he was so wasted at you the know. time. And, uh... And then the, the cops come, right. and and then it all begins. You know, he he wakes up. Uh, I guess when he sort of comes to, he's in jail, and uh, he has an ex girlfriend who's an attorney who he has to call, and he doesn't know what happened. And as it turns out, you know, he thinks he just got into a fight, right? But he's the, like, what am I getting out of here? What he, <laughs> and he ends up in jail for a little bit, and then he gets out and has to go to a recovery center, which we'll talk about. But he gets charged with, what are they charging him with? It's like- Attempted murder? It's a, he wanted attempted murder. What it ends up as- is Oh, a sex- Attempt felonious or felony attempted- Sexual assault. Sexual yeah. assault and rape. Um, and so he's basically facing like 20 years uh, having to register as a sex offender, pretty much permanent disbarment. Mm. Uh, in other words, he won't be able to practice law anymore. Considered a crime of moral turpitude, they call that at the bar. Moral turpitude. Yes. And so 
the rest of the book is pretty much what he goes through. Uh, and what it reminded me of what I went through after my conviction and uh, and how difficult that is and how onerous the process is and how like constricting and and he really does a great job of describing the process of like okay once he gets out of jail and he's on bail which was a million dollars bail mm-hmm. he has to go to the famous Pasadena Center for Recovery, which is famous for being Dr. Drew Pinsky's uh, yes. mm-hmm. uh, facility that was um, uh, immortalized on uh, celebrity rehab. And uh, and not only that, but he describes the famous Bob Forrest, who is uh, a famous interventionist and uh, clinician now, uh, formerly of uh, Thelonious Monster, which was a band um, who used to tour around in California with... Um, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, they're very close with them. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and he was in that scene. In any case, he, he was working there, and he's the guy with the hat and the glasses and the long red hair. He's got a very specific look. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was funny that Bob Farr shows up in this book. And they kind of go over you know his time at Pasadena Center for Recovery. And it was just like, it reminded me, I, I went back, and I was in a place like that. I don't know, and it's just, it was really interesting I mean, to coming hear from him. So, such a high level. Yeah. To such a low level is really something to get your head around. And the thing about this guy that I found really fascinating is um, his childhood upbringing. You know, his mother was a heroin addict and he lived in, uh, you know, a crappy little apartment. And his mom slept all day. We're nodding out all day. Yeah, you know? she was and, an addict. Yeah. And like he, when he got into high school, like his one thing that he wanted to do is like completely make himself into something other than that, you know, to get, get yeah. away from that. But, but this stuff kept sneaking in the side, like, you know, like he, he had a, a, a great girlfriend, a fiance, uh, you know, in high school that he was going to marry. And then he kept sneaking off to these massage parlors yeah. and he could not control himself. It was clearly um, an Im- impulse addiction behavior. And if, if you've, if you ever worked in a professional job and you, um, have an ever had an internal dialogue with yourself about whether or not you should go out drinking a night after the previous night that you've done it. The way he narrates that at the beginning of the book, just the mental internal conversation that he has about having one, having another, staying at the bar, you know, this whole internal dialogue was so familiar to me, um, you know, that it, that it's really like, wow, this guy really understands you know, he really has lived that 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 oh, addiction yeah. experience, and and it's how very you, authentic. You, yeah, it really, really is, uh, really is something. Yeah, and it's um, and then it's it's very like I said, it very much it, it paints an interesting picture of, and, and that's what I love about this book. He really describes his process, like when he's finally has to go to these twelve step meetings. He doesn't even know what the N and NA stands for. And uh, as he describes, as he's going to his first meetings at this um, outpatient place, and the things he's feeling about AA or, or just twelve step, even identifying as an alcoholic, he really takes us through mm-hmm. that um, the process of how he was even after this these horrific events. He's still like, "Am I an alcoholic?" And uh, and the discuss and the people he meets in outpatient, the characters and their stories, right? And so he goes over um, kind of all of those details, and until uh, he goes back to court, 
and uh, and then we uh, we get to find out um, what happens to him. Um, we find out what the judge <laughs> what, what what does happen to him, and what I'm, happens to him. Matt? I'm thinking since I didn't make it that far in the book. <laughs> well, I was thinking that we should do a part two. On oh this. yeah, okay. What good. do you think about I that? I think that's great. So if you stay tuned for next week. We are in part two. We are going to complete the story, and you can find out just what happens to him because it's it continues to get amazing. It continues to be crazy, and it continues to be insightful just about addiction and not just alcohol and drugs. It's about how the addiction is this larger problem, this larger uh, psychopathy. Um, that applies to cigarettes for him, to sex for him, and can really apply to almost anything. Well, th- this is what our, b- our boy Gabor Mate was all about. Gabor Mate. G- G- Gabor. One, one of the people who emailed us corrected us on yeah. pronunciation. Gabor. Gabor. Jaja. Gabor Mate, uh, who said that all of uh, addictions, including process addictions, you know, are, are rooted in childhood trauma. And this guy had that in had buckets full of childhood trauma. Mm. So stay tuned for next week and where we will complete the story. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to pick up the book, it's called Straight Pepper Diet. We, the link will be in the show notes. Yeah, and if you buy it through um, us, we get like five cents. At least five cents. So do that. Uh, and so having said that, we will be right back after these words. We're back and we're back yeah um drained of urine just you know <laughs> in general in this chaotic horrific week uh, of things going wrong like basically the toilet is having problems <laughs> like just the rma toilet is uh, not accepting and, and so on one of these Our super Earth. hot days last week you know my i come in and my air conditioner is frozen over which means it's hot and then the toilet starts floods, you know. Luckily, it was just, you know, a pish. But, you in uh, bathrooms lately. What's going on? Fucking fuck, man. It's just like, <laughs> ah. And then I forgot about that. And so we just practically overflowed the toilet. Um, <laughs> well, it was a large coffee today. God damn it. And uh, I'm sorry for saying that, too. I don't, I don't like to say God damn it, but I did. Blasphemy. In any case, um, so straight pepper diet. Um, yeah. Love it. So do you know what that means? What is it time for? I don't know what time is it. Recovery in the news. Yeah. All right. Recovery in the news. Motherfucker. <laughs> <sighs> this week's recovery in the news comes to us from the Orlando Sentinel, a uh, Florida newspaper. Which is appropriate because this is a story of Florida man. Florida man. Um, the title of the article is Macaroni and Cheese Addict. Florida man has eaten <laughs> almost nothing else for 17 years. You're supposed to do serious news stories. Can this I just is say a serious that? news okay. story. It just starts. Know. It sounds. I don't think G Money Smooth sent this story to you. He, actually, he did. Oh, he did? Yes. Right. It, it was not one of the ones he was suggesting for the segment. No. Because he knows better. It sounds just like another wacky Florida man story. A Florida man has eaten nothing but macaroni and cheese for 17 years, but 
It is not a joke. In a newly published video, Vice Media allows 20-year-old Austin Davis to share the circumstances of his life that led him to cling to the bright yellow pasta for comfort after escaping an abusive childhood. Mm. So what we're really talking about here is a process addiction, Mm -hmm. food addiction. Um, He eats a variety of brands, but his ride or die is Velveeta brand shells with the creamy cheese product he squeezes out of a foil packet. Mm. He lives with his grandparents in Keystone Heights, a tiny rural community 20 miles northeast of Gainesville, which is really the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, is that like on the border of Alabama or something? I don't know. Uh, they worry about him, but are tolerant of his eating habits and don't shame him for it, he says. Davis knows it's bad for him that his culinary world is the size of a specific rectangle of bright yellow on his grocery store shelves, uh, and he knows it's degrading his health. Uh, it's also hurt his social life. It's definitely a problem. I'm sick of it, but at the same time, I don't want anything else. Um, mac and cheese purist, he can't stomach the thought of varieties that add extras like bacon or the full-blown pasta box meals. Yeah, he needs the like the he, classic. Right. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with him. Yeah. I'm the same way. He makes sure he has a weak supply at all times. He prefers to use the same pot to prepare each, prepare each batch. Uh, and when he's finished, he eats it out of the pot as he sits in his desk Ooh, watching YouTube videos. I've done that, uh, eating it out of the pot. You make, yeah, I make craft mac and cheese, but I do it a special way. I don't use milk. I use a little bit of water. Really? It, oh yeah. It so makes it better. I use half and half and it really richens it up. Does it? I, I say yeah. I like, well, I'm also lactose intolerant, so the less milk, the better. Oh. But yeah, eating it out of the pot you make it in is mm. absolutely the greatest way to eat it. It is a great way to eat it. Especially um, with a wooden spoon. That's what I do. Wooden spoon. maybe i'm an addict too uh, i actually have been making the kids homemade macaroni and cheese lately and is that with like the sprinkled on the top cheese type of thing uh i well you have to make a roux which is a mixture of flour and butter Mm. and then you add milk and cheese and seasonings and you get that all bubbly and you cook up your box of macaroni and you mix it all together you put it in a casserole dish top it with breadcrumbs that have been yes. soaked in butter interesting and then a sprinkle of cheese on top and you bake for 20 minutes at 350 degrees fucking a and then you eat it my uh, kids love it can you make me some uh sure you, you haven't invited us over for anything ever <laughs> yes we did you guys did were you? over on christmas oh that's right or halloween yeah yeah okay fine all right um anyway so the whole thing like using the same pot and everything um Seems a little OCD to me, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, um, that's what rang true to me. So he told uh, Davis told Vice that he developed PTSD from growing up in an abusive household. He said his father physically abused him so severely that the DOC removed him from the home. Uh, and when he was young, macaroni and cheese became a totem of soothing, warm consistency amid a life of chaos. So uh, he's diagnosed with something called selective eating disorder, formerly known as avoidant slash restrictive food intake disorder, which was classified in the DSM since 2013, but has not been extensively studied. Um, it's interesting. Uh, you know, this is an addiction. Right. I mean, mm. it's not an addiction to drugs. It's not an addiction to alcohol, but you know, in terms of what it does to the su- structure of your brain. And again, back to Gabor Mate mm-hmm. uh, and his CD addiction, or and he discussed food addiction too in in his book in the realm of hungry ghosts. Um, you know, how is this any qualitatively different mm. from a drug or an alcohol addiction? Maybe you can last longer with a macaroni and cheese addiction, but it. Think of what it does to the kid's social life, to well, all this other stuff, you know. Yeah, and that, that goes back to the uh, the sex addiction stuff that we're learning about uh, in Straight Pepper Diet and in how all of these 
these activities when they're done with these behaviors attached mm-hmm. when it's uh it's taking over your just like gaming addiction you see people destroying their lives over like world of warcraft and people snicker at it especially people who have been through the ringer with like heroin or something right and you know i count myself as one of those but i'm also aware that something like even addiction to macaroni and cheese can destroy your life like just as bad. You can't eat up to go out to dinner with friends. You get very anxious if you're not going to have your macaroni and right. cheese. Or you spend all your money on it. You're obsessing over it. If It just ruins your life. So uh, I'm with Gabor yeah. on this I one. I hope this kid expands. He's, he's getting help. He's getting treatment. And hopefully this will he'll branch out into, I don't know, hamburger helper or something, you know, <laughs> something uh, associated. And then from there, he can work out to something else. Right. Anyway, so that's recovery in the news. That's right. So that brings us to uh, the week in weird. What do you have for us this week, Bigfoot? Um, mermaid. Oh, <laughs> mermaid blamed for car crash in Jamaica by our favorite. Newsy. Tim Banal. Tim Banal. Love the guy. A fatal car crash on a bridge in Jamaica has renewed long-standing rumors within a nearby community the waters below are inhabited by a bloodthirsty mermaid. Wow, I didn't know they were bloodthirsty. <laughs> the accident, which saw one woman die and nine other people require hospitalization, when a pair of vehicles collided head-on, reportedly took place in the town of Bogwalk on Tuesday morning. Bogwalk, Jamaica. The crash occurred. <laughs> Thank you for for <laughs> clarifying that. Case, I wouldn't want to think it was like Bogwalk, Rhode Island or something. <laughs> no, this is Jamaica. Yes. The crash occurred just days after another incident at the bridge, wherein a woman also perished, leading to many in the community to cast the blame for the tragic events on a rather unlikely suspect, a mermaid said to lurk in the Rio Cabre, which runs beneath the bridge. Frequent visitor to the river, Daniel Gale, explained that the legend has it that whenever the river, quote, changes its color and appears dirty, that's when it's dangerous. And that's usually when the mermaid is active. His assertion that there is a sinister supernatural being living in the water beneath the bridge was echoed by another resident who (laughs) recalled an incident decades ago wherein... A fisherman pulled a giant scale from the water and claimed that it came from a creature with a fish's tail and a human's head. This is Jamaica, right? Yeah. <laughs> Jamaica. You know the joke I'm about to make then. I don't. It involves weed, but go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to have to think of it later. When the man went back to the river to try to catch the mermaid, it is said that the entity killed him. Oh, my. The decades-old tale was seemingly confirmed by another resident, dubbed Lady G, who revealed that when the unfortunate man's body was found, it was discovered that the creature had attached a, quote, string of fish to his shorts <laughs> <laughs> in what one assumes was some kind of warning to others who might dare to tangle with the mermaid. Wasn't this guy a fisherman? <laughs> is, it, is it so unusual for him to have a string of fish tied to his shorts? <laughs> this river is haunted, she said to a local media outlet. It has its time when it takes a lot of lives and then it cools down. Nothing can be done about Nothing it. Nothing can be done. According to Lady G, the deaths at the bridge will continue until the mermaid's Thirst for blood is satiated. Oh. <laughs> to well. that end, she ominously lamented. Sad to say, but we are expecting more. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, Stay away from that part of Jamaica. Bloodthirsty mermaid. I mean, talk about a scapegoat. That's a good one. Yeah. And that's This Week in Weird. 
that about does it for today, folks. <sighs> Visit us at middleagesrecovery.com and check out our new merch page. Join the discussion on our exclusive and private Facebook group. If you need to talk, don't hesitate to reach out to us on social media. Check out our show notes. Mike Thank works you. very hard on them. Uh, hard on, indeed. And there <laughs> I work hard on them. <laughs> and there are many hilarious Easter eggs to find. I write them in a massage parlor. In fact, in the middle of the night. Tweet us at twat. You twit. Go to Apple Podcast. Not every iTunes. joke can work. Apple. It can't all be gold. It Facebook. It can't all be gold. Um, Amazon. Spotify. Everything. Uh, great reviews will be read on the air. Please leave a review. Um, you didn't say tweet available. us at twat. You twit. I think People was, wait for that, I think. I think that was the first thing I said, but tweet us a twat, you twit. Okay. Find us on Twitter, please, because nobody is on there. And as we say, (laughs) non proficiat perfect. The progress, not the perfection. See you next time. Be good. Goodbye. (laughs) 